Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture for today is Luke 6, 17 through 26, and it's on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out for him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We are in year C of the lectionary, which means we are spending a lot of time in the book of Luke. And Luke is the fancy gospel, the neat and proper one, the gospel that has all of its ducks in a row, everything lined up just so, no disruption of social and governmental order, a nothing to see here folks kind of thing. And the writer of Luke says in his introduction that he has done his own investigation and has set out to write an orderly account implying, of course, that the other accounts are not, in fact, orderly. And each gospel has a target audience of people, and for Luke, the target audience are people in the higher classes. Luke is not writing to the down and out, but to those with skin in the game of the status quo. Now, this is not to say that Luke takes the messianic magic away from Jesus, but rather that he cleans him up a bit, domesticates him, tames him so as not to put the ire in the Roman Empire. But even Luke can't contain some of the things that Jesus says and does. At times, it seems like Luke has sewn a nice shirt for Jesus to wear, and then Jesus bursts at the seams of it, hulking out whenever the reign of God is at hand. Take today's text, for example. If we look closely, we can see where the subversiveness of Jesus is bursting at the seams. Jesus is on the mountain, like Moses, but instead of staying there to begin his sermon, like he does in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, He comes down to a level place, eye to eye with the hearers, people who have come from all over, all Judea, all Jerusalem, from the very end of land and the coastal cities of Tyre and Sidon. 
and they wanted to hear Jesus, be healed by Jesus, and be rid of the spirits that tormented him. All tried to touch him, and all were healed. And the text says it in a curious way, that when the people touched Jesus, the power came out from him. A phrase used again in Luke when the bleeding woman touches Jesus and the power goes out of him to her. It's almost as if the power is not his to hold on to, but something to be redistributed and shared and spread around. He's not doling out power and healing as he sees fit, assessing who is most deserving in the multitude and rationing it out for fear that there won't be enough. But rather, it flows out of him freely, unrestrained and unmonitored. The lines the power crosses blurs. At first, as we breeze through the text that sounds familiar and bible things are going smoothly. But then, when we're not paying close attention, we get snagged on aberrations in the matrix. Jesus is on a level place. He's not holding on to power. All are welcomed, taught, healed, and freed. The social and cultural boundaries are becoming blurred. Things are turning upside down. And as we tread further into the text, the rips at the seam become more pronounced. All is not well in this passage, at least not for Luke's audience. Because in today's episodes of blessings and woes, it's not the poor in spirit who inherit everything. It's the poor. It's not those who hunger and thirst for righteousness who will be filled. It's the hungry. The very real conditions of poverty and food insecurity and hopelessness and exclusion are the qualifications for the blessing and favor of God's coming reign. And even if Luke's readers think they can wiggle out of this text unscathed, it goes on. Woe, Luke says to those who are rich. Woe to those who are satisfied. Woe to those who laugh with ease. Woe to those who are respected now. The CEB translation switches woe out for how terrible it is. How terrible this present reality is with these imbalances. Blessings and woes were standard sermons in Jesus's day. The prophets do it a lot. And these blessings and woes have a whiff of the promises in Deuteronomy. Follow God's commands and you will receive blessings. A life contingent on the codes governing life. And let me just say, so as not to suggest the law of Torah is somehow undone or abolished in Jesus, these codes were very clear on how to treat the hungry, the poor, the mourning, and the outcasts. What Jesus is doing here is riffing on this idea of blessings and curses that his very religious people and community would know. And it's this very familiarity that catches the listeners off guard because it is becoming uncomfortably apparent where the audience fits in the blessing and woe category. This sermon is not given on a lofty mountaintop where the spiritual can easily float over your heads, but rather it's given on the plain where Jesus can look you straight in the eye. Luke's fancy gospel is talking to those who fit in the social orders, who are comfortable with and benefit from the status quo. But as we've noticed, the status quo is coming apart at the seams. 
Jesus is reaching up out of the law that outlines God's care for the poor and drawing the listeners in. And the people are no longer spectators. Because Jesus is not just saying, blessed are the poor and woe to the rich, keeping them in neat separate categories as Luke's audience would like to keep them, but rather he is drawing a line of connection between the two. The poor are poor because of the rich. The hungry are hungry because of the satisfied. Those who weep, weep because of those who laugh. And those who are persecuted, reviled, and excluded are so because of those whose identities check off all the boxes of socially acceptable. It's as though inherent within Jesus' sermon are questions like, who has our status quo left out? Who has our lifestyle excluded? How has our abundance robbed others? How has our happiness been at the expense of others? Whom have we overlooked in our comfort? Because when all is said and done, when God gets everything that God wants, a shorthand for the kingdom of God, Jesus says, I am for those who have not come through the church doors. I am with those who have no place here. I am with those who have been conveniently forgotten. If I'm being honest, I very much like Matthew's version better. I can get behind blessings for the poor in spirit, for the hungry who crave righteousness. And I think I like that version better because I can find a way to finagle my spot into the blessed and favored. I can find a way to say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is talking to me. But the thing about Luke's sermon versus Matthew's rendering is that Jesus gives concrete categories here. Poor, hungry, weeping, persecuted. And those categories are timeless and recognizable. I mean, you don't have to look far in Fort Worth or in Azel to find the poor, the hungry, the weeping, and the persecuted. So let's take Fort Worth, for example, my hometown. 26% of children live in high poverty areas in Fort Worth. A quarter of children just down the road live in poverty. Fort Worth is a hub for human trafficking and Fort Worth is a historically segregated city, still rumbling with racism, with its 14 lowest performing schools serving predominantly racial minority communities. And if we look at it from a national level, 40% of people who knock on a homeless shelter's door are LGBTQ plus teens. Data like this makes me uncomfortable and it keeps me on the hook. But these concrete categories that Jesus gives might also be pointing to the fact that there are a lot of specific groups with whom he sides. Ways of sorting ourselves so that we cannot get away with mentally dismissing anyone who doesn't qualify to us as poor in spirit or hungering and thirsting for righteousness. The ethereal, spiritual categories might allow us to continue on with our material status quo, but these clear-cut groupings in Luke do not. They are boundary markers, lines drawn in the sand, lines over which groups might disagree, argue about, and even split over. I wonder what other lines Jesus would draw in the sand today. What categories would he delineate? Of which groups of people would he say, those are my people and blessed are they 
If he were to come down to our level and look us in the eye, to whom would he say bless? And to whom would he say woe? You know, if Jesus were to give away his power freely today in the city of Azel, who could use a little healing and a little freedom? If we're going to use the word all, like Luke does in this passage, what exactly do we mean by that? Who is included in all are welcome? And what exactly do we mean by welcome? Welcome to enter the building? Welcome to take the bread? Welcome to distribute the bread? Welcome to give to the capital fund? Welcome to pray at the pulpit? The poor get the kingdom of God, Jesus says. They, have, they inherit everything. Those who have nothing will get everything. Those who have no place, no peace, they are God's beloveds. And woe to those who have their place and have their fill now. Jesus' sermon really got away from Luke. You know, even with his attempts to domesticate Jesus and clean him up a bit, Jesus starts preaching about upside-down economics, a kingdom sensibility, a gospel logic. And let's not be too hard on Luke. Jesus really gets away from a lot of people, not just Luke. I mean, just a little while before, Jesus read the scroll of Isaiah. You know the story. We read it a couple of weeks ago. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus reads it and says, guess what, everybody? It's me. And the very religious people in his hometown hear it and say, that's our boy representing Nazareth. But then Jesus is quick to say, no, no, I'm not yours. And if you remember, the story ends with people plotting to kill Jesus. I mean, only four chapters into Luke and Jesus has slipped through Luke's fingers and slipped through his assailant's grasp. And Jesus gets away from his disciples' desire to shape him into the kind of leader they want. Peter rebukes him and abandons him. Judas can't figure out why Jesus isn't more frugal with the group funds. Jesus really slips out of the grip of a lot of people, even the church. I mean, just when we think we've got Jesus under control and on our side, Jesus slips away further and further out to the margins. Reverend Nadia Boltzweber says, whenever we draw a line in the sand, Jesus is on the other side of it. Every single time. I wonder how Jesus has gotten away from us. What lines in the sand has he crossed? And even as we ask these questions, We are aware that the power to keep people in or out, to ignore or engage, to welcome or to turn away, is not ours, not ultimately. Jesus let the power be redistributed, not keeping it to himself so as to make each person needing healing seek approval or pass a test of decency or somehow perform their suffering so as to invoke pity. People touched Jesus and they were healed. The power went out of him and they were healed, and blessed are they. Faith is happening in real time in this passage. And this sermon of Jesus invites us to act and let that experience inform our theology and logic and understanding because people are hungry and poor and weeping and cast out. 
And we don't have time to sort it all out because there are physical and emotional needs right now. And we can sort the other stuff out later. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.